the Magic Book Club podcast. Hello, I'm Richard Allenson, and thank you for downloading the Magic Book Club podcast. We have two very special guests this week as Tom Price talks to Lee Child about the insanely popular Jack Reacher series. But first, here's a short chat I had with vlogger and new author Amelia Mandeville. We had a story, short but not a simple one. I wouldn't be able to stay here and explain it all to you. If you really want to know, you'll have to take time out of your day. You'll have to read it. And by read it, I think Amelia Mandeville means buy the book, every colour of you, because one person can change everything. Amelia, welcome to Magic. Thank you. Thank you for having um, me. How does this feel? Because I have caught your YouTube channel, The Mandeville Sisters. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing is you spend all your time asking questions, chatting, basically interrogating yeah. Poor vulnerable guests. Yeah. Now it's my turn. How I does know. That feel? I don't like being on the other side of things, but, you know, first for everything. What have you got to hide? Nothing. A, a good book, hopefully. Okay. Um, there's some lyrics in here. Uh, there's, there's Killer's lyrics, there's Manic's lyrics, there's Pixie's lyrics. Yes. Um, and they're all relevant to the plot. Yeah. Or one particular part of the plot. Yeah. I re- oh, I like you've brought that up. I've never had that before. Well, the, well, I listen to lots of records. Yeah. But also, what comes first? Is it the lyric that sticks in your head and gives you an idea and becomes relevant to that part of the life and that part of the plot? Or is it the other way around? Uh, oh, that's a really good question. I'm not really sure. I have this thing where I have to listen to music when I write. I really can't write. And... I think it's I think I think it's the lyrics definitely the lyrics but sometimes when I'm listening to that song and it makes me feel really emotional I'm like right that has to have a point in the book but uh yeah oh I like that question Oh, maybe so, this is easy, this side of things <laughs> So does what we get the easy ones out of the way first uh, does that when does one inspire the other then Yeah yeah definitely I think um I think if if a song really makes me feel something, I keep listening to it while I'm writing, listening to it, and then it just kind of weaves its way in there. And then sometimes I just, you know, I just do it because I'm a big fan of the songs and it's just like my little own shout-out. That's cool. That's nice. Because the Mandeville Sisters, if you haven't seen them on YouTube, uh, it's Grace and Amelia. First of all, how long has it been running? Uh, I think three years, four years, four years. Four years. Yes. Which is quite long in YouTube yeah, terms because yeah. they either sort of live or die on their yeah, yeah. clicks and likes and stuff. And the interesting thing, whose idea was it? Was it yours or Grace's? It was actually Grace's. Um, I didn't really have much of a life. I'd just dropped out of college, so I was just chilling, working in Waitrose. And Grace ha- was, I think she was doing her last year of A-levels and she was like, do you want to do this for like the summer? And I was like, yeah, go for it. But uh, I was a big YouTube fan before then, so I uh, liked the idea of doing it. This is not to say that working in Waitrose means you don't have a life. No, okay. no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I meant I personally I dropped out of college. Waitrose is... Waitrose, I, I love Waitrose. I rep Waitrose. I, I it's love the Waitrose, Waitrose channel, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who did you do that first vlog for? Because it's a vlog in the the current terminology. It's not your own particular space, it's a vlog. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, did you do it for yourself because there was nothing else to do? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I did have a life, but (laughs) I didn't think I had a life. (laughs) Nothing to do with Waitrose. But, um, yeah, no, I... uh... I um I don't know. It was just it was just something to pass the time and it was something to like put all my creative energy right. into, I guess. So who's it for? It was just for you two. Yeah. To watch back. Yeah, but also for whoever wanted to watch it and apparently people did. I don't know why. And they still do. 
Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. But what, so what is it? So you sat down and you thought, because if, if we're doing radio programmes, it may not sound like it, <laughs> but there is production afoot. Yeah. Involved, and we sit down and we think about why we're doing this and what's going to, yeah, and what might happen when we do it. Same with pictures. Yeah. So you're sitting down. There, right. What are we going to do? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Are you on about with the radio show? Or no, no, no. With your with with the Mandeville sisters. Oh. You sat down to start with, and somebody uh. said to the other, either Grace or Amelia, said to Grace or Amelia, "What are we going to do?" Ten facts about us. Okay. And uh. Yeah, that's what we did. Except I was really shy back then because, yeah, again, I didn't think I had much of a life. So I didn't really talk. But um, then that channel we just kind of gave up on and then we started a new one and then we were just doing everything. Like we did some comedy sketches, then we did like Q&As and then um, we just did a bit of everything. And now, now we're more into the f- like theme where we're very open uh, I talk about like mental health quite a bit. Grace has one hand, and she talks about like positive, um, like diversity and all of that sort of stuff, and a bit of fashion and lifestyle, a bit of everything. Because we're greedy. So you did that one. Yes. What made you do the second one? Uh, I don't know. Just, just felt good, I guess. <laughs> and YouTube being YouTube, because I watched one of your recent ones. You had Amelia Clark from Star Wars on there. Yeah, that was cool. Who's great? Yeah, because she, she, it's it's not really work. It's just gossip. Yeah, yeah. Having yeah. a natter. The only thing missing is like a cup of tea and maybe a biscuit. Yeah. And we're talking about her eyebrows. Yes. Because I think she probably has perfect eyebrows, yes, according she, to you. She does. And YouTube being YouTube, on the panel on the right that says "What's on next," there's a video about two videos down saying the perfect brow. Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so somebody's linked something. This is totally different. The environment of the novel, you know, the yes, hardback book. Um, it is. Is this you, Amelia, flying solo? Did Grace come along with you, or is this you, all your own work? It's all me. So me and Grace, we have YouTube channel, and we do our thing together. We sometimes do presenting, but we also do our own thing. Grace has her own little career with fashion and stuff and sometimes acting and mine's writing because I like to live in a different world, apparently. So. so briefly, this plot, one person can change everything. Mm-hmm. There's you and there's someone else, isn't there? No, no, it's not me. It's a bit, okay, yeah, it kind of is me, but it's not me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of both of me. Kind of is a bit of both of you. Yeah, right. yeah so I, I see myself in Tristan, the main character, and then I also see myself in Zoe, the other main character. So I think it's like a bit of both of me, but not me. Because Tristan's the one who's not very Zoe. Yeah, he's not very happy. Trying to avoid any sense of a spoiler here, but um, the characters are based on people you know, people you're aware of. Um, so there's a supermarket in it. Yeah, and that's from that's inspired by Waitrose. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's an inanimate object. I'm talking about the characters. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, Ah, uh, no, I wouldn't say any characters are inspired by anyone in my life, but maybe certain feelings I've had and certain emotions and maybe slight people I know, but really not like there there wouldn't I wouldn't say a character is based on a char- a character, a person in my life. So, yeah, no, not really. There's nothing biographical about it. N- no. Well, I think I think writers do write from what you know and what yeah. you've experienced. And I actually wrote this book when I was feeling quite down and lonely. Um, so, 
yeah, it can't, I think the emotions are a bit biographical, but not the actual like events or the characters. I love the way you approach it as well, because each chapter is either Zoe or Tristan, yeah. isn't it? So you know pretty much the focus. Yeah. And it may yeah. only be a page and a half. Yeah, I know. I like short chapters. I don't know why. It just makes it fun. Now, this is your debut novel. Yes. But I read somewhere you've already written your second. No. So, well, I'm writing my second, but I have written two other novels before this one, but okay. they just didn't get published. But maybe one day. So are they, are they going to be revisited at some stage? Cause... Definitely. I'm not going to give up on them. So, yeah, Definitely. Because some writers do, I mean, they, they never admit it, but they do say, I've got a couple that I, I really love. Yeah. But they've been rejected so many times, I need to do something, but I haven't done it yet because this one's working, so that's what I'm focusing on right yeah. now. Yeah, I think I just have so many ideas and just just so many characters that I want to create and explore their lives that I'm just, I'm not going to give up on those stories. I think I just maybe need to develop myself as an author first, yes. Mm. Yes. Why did I say yes? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because you're probably right. <laughs> the other thing is, when you're working on a vlog, is, is, is the pre-production process similar to this? Because writing is a very... It's sort of quite a solitary activity. Yeah. But what you do with Grace doesn't look at all solitary. No, not at all. I mean, to be fair, props to Grace. She does most of it. She does, all, like, she does like half of all the technical side, the editing. I'm, I mean, I can edit. I'm just not good at making something look pretty. So... Yeah, if if a video looks pretty, it's on Grace, not me. Okay. And does this get in the way of the video stuff? No. Uh, I mean, not really. You don't I... lock your way in, yourself away in a garret somewhere and say, leave me alone for a week? No, no. I think I could, but um, nah. I, I think Grace is actually very supportive because she's been busy quite recently because she was working on um, a fashion brand with ASOS. And so then... I was able to focus on my writing and then now she knows that I'm like doing stuff for my book that mm. we just make it work. It's very good. Yeah, she's good. How many regular followers do you have? I don't know. Uh, I mean, on YouTube we have a hundred and something thousand. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's not so regular. If they, if they all buy something from ASOS. Oh, yeah. And, and my Maybe book Maybe Waitrose. Well. Oh, Waitrose. <laughs> You never know. I do really like Waitrose, though. That, that, the, reason, the reason I have friends now is because I worked at Waitrose. So even though I felt like I didn't have a life, it was good. So. <laughs> Other groceries are available. Um, which one's easier, TV or writing? Writing. Definitely. Really? Definitely, because um, it just comes natural to me. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just away with the fairies half the time, so... Yeah, it's just very natural for me. But then TV's really good as well, but it's like... I don't know, I feel like you're trying to impress someone else, whereas in writing I'm just trying to do what is coming naturally to me. So, yeah. It is amazing how TV has changed. I'm, I'm, TV, that the terribly old-fashioned thing, but you know, add, add <laughs> pictures to a conversation and you've got TV, and it could be on YouTube, it could be on yeah. anything, but you don't look like you're on TV. A lot of people on TV still look like they're on television. Yeah. And they sort of stand on the mark and do this and speak like this. <laughs> and it's, it's just like we're, it's almost quite creepy because it's just like we're eavesdropping on what you and Grace are getting up to. I know. It, I think that's why people like it. I think um, some people watch YouTube because they like want to have someone else's life and they think, oh my God, your life's so cool. I think what I feel, people watch us because we're very real, we're very honest and we're just, we're like everybody else. So it's like that relationship 
That relationship, you relate to us, I think. Or I hope so. I relate to my viewers whenever they're like, oh, I do the same. I'm like, oh, thank God. So. Where people are talking to their computers. Yeah. And joining in the conversation. <laughs> uh, so writing's easier, yes. Amelia. Which one do you prefer, the video or the writing? Uh, oh, that's a hard one. Um... I don't know, because they're two very different ones, and I also don't want to upset my sister. <laughs> no, I think the thing is, video is... Well, I mean, I've never had a book out before, so I can't really say. I enjoy writing, I'm always going to enjoy writing, and I'm always going to do video in, so I don't think I could choose, really. Um, I'm always going to do one or the other, even if one's going to be more my career, I think, because I'm just... I like doing stuff. Doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Every Colour of You is the debut novel, but she's got a few more on the go. <laughs> From Amenia Mandeville. Uh, who's on the next edition of the Mandeville Sisters? What do you mean? Who's, who's the guest? Oh, gosh, no one at the moment. I'll try, I'll Get try, booking. I'll try and make someone really cool, just for you. OK, thank you very much. Amelia Mandeville there. Her debut novel, Every Colour of You, is out now. So, Tom Price, it's all yours. I have got one of my favourite authors. I'm going to be a little bit starstruck and overexcited about this. It's the brilliant Lee Child. He's written so many fantastic thrillers about this character, Jack Reacher. There's a new one out now. A new one comes every year. And Lee joins me now in the studio. It is no exaggeration to say he is one of the biggest British writers at work today. The man behind the Jack Reacher phenomenon. I'm not even going to call him a book, Lee. It's a phenomenon. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you still pinch yourself? I do because, you know, when I come out on tour like this and, and uh, when the new book comes out, you've, you've got to confront it because normally you see I'm just at home on my own and it's a day-by-day -day thing and, and you don't really notice because um, I'm just me, you know, getting yeah. up, make my cup of coffee, just do my work. But then you come out and think, wow, you know, <laughs> people are really, really into this. They love it. They're talking about it. And it is, it's, it's bizarre because it's been 20-plus years, but... Uh, to have gotten this far is so unlikely and so amazing that, yeah, I, I just can't believe it. <laughs> good, good. Well, I can because I love the books. I'm obsessed with your books. Um, it's, it's difficult. I'm slightly starstruck, if I'm honest. I've got a whole shelf of them. I've got all of them in hardback. It's to the point where I will actually tell my wife when the artwork drops on Amazon for the new book that's out later in the year. I am that level of reacher nerd. So when I got asked in this interview, I was like, yes, I'm going to do that interview, please, yes. Well, you're my favourite customer. Thank you very okay, much. Thank you very much. I'll take that. I'll use that quote. Um, so these books have brought a lot of pleasure to a lot of people. Um, and you're now on... What what is this is past tense is the new one is this twenty two it's no, it's twenty three twenty uh, third novel and uh, people are saying twenty four but because there was a, a volume of short stories mm. that looks you know big, it's a big thick book because there were a lot of stories in it but really that's not a novel so twenty three novels and an anthology of short stories and those short stories they're all reaches childhood yeah, well not all childhood some of them are early career some of them are contemporary some of them one he's thirteen years old one he's sixteen years old. Okay. Um, the, the childhood ones, they're, they're great. They're good fun to do. Well, if they're good fun to do, do you think about going back into those for a whole book? Well, yeah, that's, that's the question. Is there enough to say for a whole book? You know, they're great for a short story. Things you just have a little incident or a little scene. I don't know that I could do a whole book. Uh, Jack Reacher, Boy Detective, you know. Yeah. That would be a hard one to do. Yeah, okay. All right, so, so you're going to keep those as short stories for now? That's the plan? Yeah, I think just drop them in now and then as uh, little 
little tastes of what he used to be like. I think people love the glimpse. You know, mm. I doubt if they would really stick through a whole book when he's thirteen. You know, what can mm. you, what can you, what, what will we all do when we're thirteen? You know. I mean, if it was me, it'd just be a lot of listening to the Smiths, feeling slightly sad about my life. That's there you go. Yeah, I did. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that's a compelling read. Being 13 is very hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's not the easiest. It's not the easiest. Um, so the book is called Past Tense. Now, uh, tension, that's a huge part of what you do. You are a master. I'd say almost Hitchcockian in your ability to do that in these novels, especially in Past Tense, because... Reacher doesn't get to the people in trouble for quite a while. He doesn't, and I'm glad you said that because it, it really started out as an exercise in suspense. I, I thought, let's make this one really suspenseful, this sort of doomy drumbeat that we know we're heading for something really, really serious. But I never have a plan, you know. It's not like I have an outline where we say, yeah, okay, so so two-thirds of the way through the book, Reacher's going to show up. It just, whatever happens, happens. Mm. And the two people in it that need their help, a couple of young Canadians, rather hopeless little couple, um, they're 25 years old, they're driving down from Canada, they get stranded at a creepy motel. I knew they were going to need help at some point, but I didn't know when. And actually, they turned out to be really cool. You know, they just looked after themselves page after page. They were doing pretty well. So I was thinking, fine, fine, let them let them carry on. And they actually almost got out of trouble all by themselves. But at the end, Reacher had to help him just at the very end. Yeah. And so that's the, that's a great thing about doing it the way I do. I have no idea, just like you don't. You're reading the book. You have no idea what's going to happen. Neither do I when I'm writing it. So there's this fabulous book called Reacher Said Nothing. Mm. And it, it's a book... Uh, it, it reads almost as if it's a thriller itself, and it's a it's a meta book because it's about you writing the book. And the thing that I took away from that, first of all, that you, do you still need to type with two fingers? Oh yeah, <laughs> these two. I can't those are the two fingers. <laughs> so you, you type with your index fingers. That's the first thing I took out of that book. And the second thing that you've just mentioned is that you don't know what's going to happen next. No, I really don't. And. Uh... I love that book too because it is like a suspense thriller. Like, will this book ever get written? Mm. You know, basically that's what the guy was thinking because I was sitting there scratching my head a lot of the time because I have no idea what's going to happen. I want to sit down to write just like you want to pick up the book to read. You know, that delicious feeling. What's going to happen next? Yeah. Uh, that's how I feel when I sit down every day to write it. And if you planned it out, you would totally lose that, wouldn't you? I would. And, I, I, you know, seriously, for me, it's about the story. And as soon as the story is told, I'm done with it. So I mm. could not do a plan or an outline, even if it was a one page of scribbled notes, you know, like this happens, then this happens. But it's really that. That, then I've told myself the story, I'm bored with it, I'm on to the next yeah, one. So I, I can't know what's happening. And do you, um, obviously, that, that, I mean, that's, that's a good way to do it. It's clearly a very effective way to do it. But do you ever find yourself really stuck? What's the time, what's the novel that you look at now when you're looking at your rack of Reacher books? You must have a, do you have a room in your house where you've got all of the books? Yeah, I, I, uh, I have a whole bookshelf where I collect one of every foreign edition. Well, one of every edition. So there's the American one, the British one, and then all the foreign language ones. Yes. And um, I love the ones where, that I don't even know which book it is because, you know, it's, a, it's some weird foreign alphabet it and you've got be, no clue. It must be a strange moment to open the book yeah, and think, yeah. oh, I, I can't take anything from this. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at all those books, do you have one where you think, oh, yeah, 61 hours or what night Funny you said that, 61 hours. I mean, there wasn't really a problem with 61 hours except it wanted to be too short. Mm. It, just wanted to be short um, because the conceit in 61 hours is that we tick off the time, you know, 61 hours to go, 60, 59, 58. 
And that was great for pace. But the negative side of pace is you're burning through. And this book was going to be, uh, it wanted to be too short. And I'm, I'm afraid of doing that because I'm naturally very lazy. And so if I got away with a short book one year, the next year would be even shorter. Yeah. And then the year after would be a haiku. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with one page book. Yeah. Reach a pamphlet. Um, one of the other things I love, I think there's so many reasons that you've, 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 you've created this incredible format. Um, I love the facts you know, like I do pub quizzes. I, I run pub quizzes a lot. And we're always look, looking out for facts. For example, the one the other day, uh, in the 1860s in America, there were over 8,000 of these, whereas now there's only one. Ah, uh, tell me. Currency. Oh, oh currency. right. Because okay. yeah, they yeah, were yeah. private currencies, right? Yeah, for private banks. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I love those facts. Your books are packed with facts like that. You're co- every, there's, there's tension and there's character and there's all those things, but co- I'm constantly interested Yeah, I love stuff like that. And here's a little snippet of trivia that uh, to connect with what you just said. Uh, You know, when I wrote the first book and uh, my agent submitted it, he then, you know, an editor bought it. And that's an exciting moment for for an author, obviously. So my agent wanted to phone me right away and give me the good news. I was in the pub at a pub quiz. Oh, no way. (laughs) You can't really. How did you get on at the pub quiz? Ah, uh, we always won. Uh, I'm yeah. not surprised. Having read your books, I'm not surprised. It was my wife and I and our neighbours, and between the four of us, we had everything covered. You know, I'm not good on things like tennis and golf and things yeah. like that, but the neighbours were great at that. They so were... What is your best round, then, in a pub quiz? Oh, you know, history I'm pretty good at, uh, general trivia. Um, I can do football, I can do music, yeah. uh, things like that, but... We were a great team. We won every week. They hated us. And <laughs> especially when we... It got better, actually, because we got the phone call in the middle of uh, the pub quiz that the book had sold, and mm. uh, it was going to be great. And so I bought everybody a drink. Mm. And uh, from that point on, they stopped hating us. I think. Yeah, cause that's always the way to stop people <laughs> hating you. Buy everyone a drink. Now, was that when you were living in the UK when that happened? Yeah, I was living in the UK then, and uh, I wrote the first... Uh, obviously, the first book in the UK. The second, I wrote the uh, third book in the UK. Right. And then I was far ahead at that point. So I, th- I was writing the third book before the first book came out. And then yeah. we moved to the States just before the second book came out. And how was it when you started writing the books with the success that had happened? Did that change? It must, it must be hard not to change your psyche when you're sitting down to write this book, knowing that it's huge. Well, you know, huge is the hugeness doesn't really matter because what happens to any writer, it happens really pretty early. As soon as you see one person who is not related to you by blood reading the book, then you've got your audience. Then the, the loop is complete. The transaction is, is done. Yeah. You are a writer with the reader. And so success for a writer really comes super early. Mm. You know, if you got, if you got, you got one reader, then you get two readers, then you get 200 readers. Then you get 2,000 readers. At that point, I reckon, you know, 2,000 people, you can't really know 2,000 people. You could never take them out for dinner. In fact, if you took 2,000 people out for dinner one a night, you know, it's like (laughs) five years. So (laughs) 2,000 readers, you feel really totally legitimate. Mm. And then anything beyond that is icing on the cake. It's just gravy. Yeah, it's just pure loveliness, yeah. And you can't really... The more you get, the more you have to sadly sort of ignore them because you can't take two million individuals into account. But it must still be a thrill when you meet idiots like me who say, it's I a, love your books. It must still be oh, every day. It absolutely. It's a total thrill, yeah. And it's to see people read You know, I'm flying to Australia tonight and I guarantee somebody will be reading it on the plane oh, and the idea great. that somebody's 
sitting near me reading what I wrote is fantastic. It's so good. It's so fantastic. Um, so we obviously we've got to talk about something which was in the news yesterday. Uh, Tom Cruise in the films. That's now over. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's over. And um, for a number of reasons, you know, not entirely due to Tom Cruise. It's, it's almost due to the movie business itself in some ways that the middle is just disappearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the recent movies were really good, solid, narrative, straightforward movies that were kind of what you would call sort of medium-priced, sort of medium-pitched movies. Yeah. And those are disappearing now. You're getting either tiny little independent films or you're getting gigantic... Marvel, mega... Marvel, yeah, you know, mega things that are really aimed at China and so on. And the middle of, for, for the straightforward narrative thriller is is no longer there. So there wasn't much enthusiasm for doing it, plus the... The readers uh, have always been unhappy with Cruz. Um, yes. You know, for a number of reasons, mainly due to his uh, stature, which is a shame because... He's, he's brilliant. <clears throat> Tom Cruise is still oh, brilliant, though. He is. He's a brilliant actor. He's a yeah. lovely guy. And what you learn about him, working with him, is he, he really understands story. He's a great theoretician about story. And so it's uh, it's a shame that it never really totally worked, but it didn't. And I've got to say to my readers, yeah, okay, fine. You know, now we're going to try something else. So what are you trying next? It's, t- it's TV now, right? Yeah, we're going to do uh, what we would have done had it existed back then. You know, this long-form binge-watching type of television yeah. where you're going to get 10 or 12 hours per season, uh, per story, and uh, with a new actor. And it's going to be good because... There's much more time for character, and the you know the inside baseball of it is that there's no censorship, there's no rating, mm. because making movies is is sort of miserable at the moment because every single minute of every single day you're worried about oh is this PG or is this going to push it towards R, mm-hmm. and if you get an R rating it reduces your audience oh yeah hugely yeah. hugely you know someone. It's about a tenth of the potential audience. Oh, wow. Everybody is, is, is so desperate to make sure it's PG yeah. that it makes the movie very slightly bland, but that's not really the problem. The problem is the energy that goes into worrying about it all day, every day. Yeah. So, so uh, fewer restrictions when you're doing the TV thing. Is it going to be Netflix or Amazon Prime or...? We're get, whoever bids, you know. We, we oh, assumed okay. it would be Netflix because they were interested, but now Amazon's on board. They want to have a look at it too and maybe some other people. So... Um, we're just going to see who, what we think of the uh, the offers. And are you going to write new stories for it, or are you going to go back into your back catalogue? No, the idea is to uh, take a book and make that the spine of the season and maybe then cannibalise some of the short stories or some of the other books for the, the juicy bits to mm. spice it up a little bit. Uh, but I hope it'll stay pretty pretty uh, faithful to the stories because otherwise, why bother doing it? Yeah, of course. And are you going to do that Game of Thrones things where eventually the TV show sort of outgrew the, the books in terms of all the peripheral stuff? Do you think it will build the world even more and start to discover new stuff? Uh, yeah, I think so because, it's you know, sadly, uh, the TV audience is that much bigger than the book audience. Mm. So I think that the balance will shift towards people will come to it through the television. And... Um, yeah, that'll expand. Actually, I was with George or Martin on on Sunday. We did an event together in uh, New Mexico. Right. And yeah, it's bewildering the level of uh, instant success that that the TV brought to him. How does he stay sane with all that success? 
You know, he's actually, he's a very nice man. And what he does, Santa Fe is a smallish town and it's a very sort of artistic community. And he, first of all, he he bought a cinema and refurbished it. And so that's like a community cinema where they do movies and events and so on. And then he bought this disused bowling alley and uh, cleared it all out and... And he hired 202 local artists to build this immense fantasy landscape inside this huge building. You're sort of going from one weird room to the next and, you know, you go to this weird kitchen and the tumble dryer opens and there's a tube you dive headlong through and then you're in another universe and all this kind of stuff. And this exists in Santa Fe? Yeah, it's called Meow Wolf and it is, uh, he sponsored it, he paid these artists. He's really really using his success to to bolster up other people, which is a lovely thing. So with that in mind, Lee Child, (laughs) when are you going to build the Jack Reacher themed cinema? Yeah, well... You know, the problem is Reacher is so dismissive of any possessions or anything like that. Yes. You know, I really missed the bus on, on marketing opportunities because Reacher doesn't own anything. <laughs> there's no, there's <laughs> no merchandise no. at all. There's nothing. No. Are you like that? Are you a bit of a Luddite? Oh, I'm a total Luddite technically, yeah. I still, I mean, I've only just sort of got at home with the idea of CDs instead of vinyl. And right, okay. <laughs> I've got bad news for you about CDs. Yeah, exactly. Everybody else has moved on to this... Um, streaming thing but I you know I'm just an old-fashioned guy I like to hold something if mm. I bought it I want to hold it you know it's a thing yeah um, and as far as computers and that go yeah you know my approach to technology is very similar to my approach to typing uh, you know I bash it out with two fingers and hope for the best <laughs> but that also it's it's pared down you know it's it's economical and that's exactly why we love Jack Reacher he is pared down it's economical things tick along emotionally for example he doesn't have a huge emotional range and i think we are like, we we're drawn to that or at least we don't see the huge emotional range yeah and and, and what he lacks is that kind of self pity that a lot of uh, heroes have so you know years ago somebody thought it was a good idea to make the hero miserable yeah uh, you know like a recovering alcoholic or a divorced recovering alcoholic the big flaw yeah yeah whose daughter hates him and won't yes. talk to him yeah, and yeah, all this yeah. kind of thing um, and Reacher has none of that negative side of emotion, and he's, he's pretty self-controlled in terms of uh, exuberance. He's, he's rather quiet and sardonic. And I think people find that the, that the solidity of it quite relaxing, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very comforting read. He's ruthlessly logical. And he's in a world that we all love. We're all obsessed with it, with America, Americana, all those things. I mean, it worked still when, it, when he came to London and stuff, but, but you must love diving into that. Do you, do you research that? Do you drive off and find odd corners of America? I do, yeah, just for the fun of it. You know, I don't do it with the purpose of research because I don't like that. I think that, that makes the research too fresh and too sort of new and lumpy and undigested. But I just travel all the time for for the fun of it, and I love those byways because uh, America was radically changed in the fifties when they built the interstate highways, which is a bit, you know, a bit like the same thing in Britain. I remember when we w- would go to visit my granny, we would uh, we just take a regular road. You go from Birmingham to Litchfield to Derby to Sheffield to Leeds to where my granny lived in Yorkshire down just a regular road mm. and then of course they built the motorways, and nobody ever got, does that anymore. And it's the same thing in America that there were really well-established routes where every 20 or 50 miles there'd be a motel and a diner and so on and so forth. And now the interstate is parallel, but 50 miles away, people are blasting past. And those towns, some of them have died completely, some of them have just faded away, but they're all really interesting and atmospheric. Yes. So atmospheric, and there's always a story you can pick at the tiniest thing, and you imagine that you know when you're these books are the equivalent of when you're on that motorway and you look out the window and you see that motel and you just start to imagine what would happen if I opened that door. Who's Absolutely, yeah, you know, and who, who is that guy sitting on the corner and some, uh, the mysterious 
person hunched over a diner table and yeah. so on. You know, what are they doing? What is their story? I love it. I love it so much. Uh, the new Jack Reacher, Past Tense, is out now and it is a fantastic read. Uh, Lee, what a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Well, there you go. Lee Child has left the building. Uh, I managed to get him to sign a book, do a selfie, do a photograph. I was, oh, I got a little bit fanboy. I think he was a bit embarrassed. Anyway, what a lovely man. Uh, thanks for listening to the Magic Book Club podcast. If you like this show, which uh, you do, right, then please go and rate and review us on the whatever platform it is you use and be nice about us so more people listen. Um, have a great day. Bye.